Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> And welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hey, Sid. Hey, Justin. Happy Saturday to you. Thank you. Same as, as, same to you as well. Also to you. Uh, in addition. Hey, uh, Justin. Yeah? Before we get started on this week's medical misadventure, mm-hmm. uh, I thought we, our our last episode got quite a response. Yes. Uh, not Both positive and negative. I find it funny with Sawbones that everybody's very excited to see everything get dunked on until they are the ones receiving <laughs> the dunking, and then we're off base. It never fails that there's always, it gets a little close to home. Hey, listen, folks, I've been there. I know. Everybody's got a gree gree. I know. I know. I know. Well, we, we have, we have, um, uh, I have challenged some of your strongly held beliefs about certain. Yes. Uh, quote unquote treatments, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I just wanted to clarify a few points. I'm not I, about the ketogenic diet. About the ketogenic diet episode we did last week. I'm not I'm not taking anything back. So if that's what you're waiting for, I'm sorry. I'm not. Uh, but a I, lot of people. I saw a couple couple fellas accuse you of ignorance, uh-huh. and I I'm glad they didn't say that to my face for starters, because <laughs> I'll get all gross alpha male on them if that is what. The situation requires, and by that I mean I would yell at them back to them very I, sternly. I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and say that if you if you were critical of that, it is because you have been using the ketogenic diet and you have had success. And I, I think, I, at least I tried to make this point on the episode, and if I didn't, let me clarify it now. If you are using the ketogenic diet and you are pleased with the results in terms of you've lost weight and you wanted to and you're you're happy about that you feel good uh you've checked in with your doctor your healthcare provider and they say everything's doing okay you know you're you you look good everything is good inside and out and you're happy with that and you feel full and fulfilled and satisfied with your life on the ketogenic diet by all means continue i in no way was trying to insinuate that everybody should avoid this All I was simply trying to point out is that a lot of studies have shown that, yes, you can lose weight on the ketogenic diet, but you could also lose weight on other low-carb diets, and you can also lose weight on low-calorie diets, and you can also lose weight on low-fat diets, and there's a lot of ways that you can lose weight. If that is your goal, if that is the thing you're trying to achieve, you don't have to do the ketogenic diet to do that, and in fact, for some people, it may be a bad option, whether because it could make you sick 
because of other medical conditions or just because it makes you unhappy. Because if it were me, it would make me very unhappy. And so mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do it because I couldn't live that way. So if you are having success, by all means, continue. But if somebody is telling you that the ketogenic diet is the magic cure-all for all your ills, I will, I will tell you, just like everything else we address on this show, there is no one-size-fits-all solution to weight loss or any other medical condition, frankly. You have to find... I don't want to say any other medical condition, any, anything this complex that involves lifestyle change. There's no one program that's going to work, work for everybody. So science isn't about belief. It's not about the thing that you get really excited about necessarily. It's just about fact. And, and that's important to remember. So if you, if you want to continue the, the KD there and it's doing good for you by all means, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all of your friends and family have to do it too. And also, uh, I mentioned a couple of times that it sounds really hard and I bet it's really hard. And a lot of people were like, oh, it's so easy, blah, blah, blah. Ch- Listen, I've done a couple of different, very carb restrictive diets. It ain't easy. And, I, and in my opinion, and this is from a, a layman whose only experience is just his own throughout his life, extremely restrictive diets like that are not sustainable for long periods of time. For most people, for me, I will say, I, don't, I can't speak for most people. They're very hard to maintain, especially if you have a life that is not you sitting at home and like planning out all your meals uh, sure. 100% of the time. It can be very challenging. Yes. It, it, the, some people might find it uh, satisfying and easy for them. And kudos to you if you do. I think a lot of people find them difficult. And I think that there's a whole other issue that is longer than a quick note at the beginning of a podcast about you have to be able to afford certain diets and you have to be able to have access to things and time to prepare foods and let's face it carbs are cheap and carbs are fast and for busy people on a budget some of these other diets can be very hard just to access food and we want people eating we don't want people going on diets that they lose weight on because they just can't eat or afford any of the foods on the diet so I think there are a lot more issues there than whether or not you like the taste of fat foods, fatty foods. So anyway, you know, fat foods with fat in them. But we're not here to talk about the ketogenic diet, Sid. We're here to no. talk about, uh, I'm just going to say antimony because you told me the show's about antimony and I have literally no idea what that is. It's an I have L. no, usually I can come up with like a cute intro. I have no idea what that means. Usually when I get emails about topics that we should cover, I'll, I'll read the email and I'll think, oh yeah, that I've thought about that and that is a good idea or I'm familiar with that. That would be interesting. So I want to thank Claire and Katie and Keandra. They've all emailed us uh, this topic suggestion and when I first saw antimony, I was like, well, okay, that's an element. I don't, why would I talk about that? I had no idea. And then I started reading and I got really excited because it was a good one. Okay. Antimony is an element, like on the periodic table, you know, of elements, those, the ones that are on those shoes that I have. Got it. It is a lustrous gray metalloid. Okay. So now you have that information. The symbol for it is SB, because like most of the elements on the periodic table, the symbol is derived from like the Latin, Latin or the yeah. Greek or the, yeah. Um, and its number is 51, if you care about atomic numbers. All right. Now you've got that information. This is gripping so it's, far, Sid. I can see why you're so excited. Yeah, I'm getting there. It's naturally occurring in the earth, mainly as a sulfide mineral, stibnite, which is where you get the SB. A lot of its derivatives are SB. Um, it's mined largely in China. And today, if you're talking about antimony, it's probably for some sort of industrial use. Okay. But, like 
most other random pretty substances that people dug out of the earth throughout history, we have tried to use it as medicine. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. We find something, it's like, oh, that's kind idea. of a pretty rock. Let's try it. Let's rub it on ourselves. Let's swallow it. Let's put it on our butt. Something. Something. It's got to do something. It's got to do something. Why also, is it here, rock? Serve al- me. Also a poison. We'll get into that. Ah. So some of the earliest uses of antimony are actually cosmetic. I think we may have talked about coal, as in K-O-H-L, coal, on the show before. So um, Egyptians would use antimony as a, an eyeliner of sorts or maybe even a mascara to highlight their eyes it was a dark you know uh, dark eyeliner kind of blackish substance or bluish looking um but coal is a traditional cosmetic that can be made of different substances and it wasn't it was used in egypt but it was also used throughout the middle east and parts of northern africa and then you can find other variations of it used throughout southeast asia all over throughout time and spanning cultures it's still used today Antimony is what they made it out of there. And it was not only thought to be beautiful, but also for like eye health. It was thought to protect your eye from a variety of diseases if you had them lined in this. And then there's also some um, beliefs in other cultures that you can apply it to different parts of the face to like ward off the evil eye and that kind of thing. Um, It's like it's not necessarily just for women, adults, children, any gender can use it anybody yeah just as a side note and now commonly uh preparations you'll find today are well actually there are a lot of cosmetic brands sold that are that don't have any toxic substances in them but for a while lead was a very popular compound in this and charcoal and things like that which obviously led to their own health effects but the only thing the I egyptians use antimony how's it look for me, I will sacrifice. I'll eat lead if it will give my make my eyes pop, give me that front page shine that I need to succeed in Hollywood. No, you won't. I would. I mean, if I had the option of like lead based paint or sunken eyes that made me mm-hmm. look all like I have to keep that like late twenties <laughs> kind of glow. I think at at most late twenties. I think it looks very nice. Um, I don't think I could pull it off. Lead? No, I'm like the dark eyeliner coal. Like the oh, okay. <laughs> not lead i would advise you please don't put lead on your face okay fine unless cosmetics or me. anything else antimony was described by our buddy the one the only plenty the elder yeah in natural history and he he calls it like stibby and stimmy stibby that's a cute one <laughs> alabastrum larbasis he's got lots of names for it um we're talking about antimony but in his book natural history he even has a chapter called uh seven remedies derived from stimmy 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 uh he thought there was a male and a female form oh like so many elements right (laughs) (laughs) that have genders that have genders Uh uh-huh um the female form he thought was the smoother form this is like likely like a naturally occurring form of the element and Mm. then if it was the sulfide like alloy the sulfide compound i Mm -hmm. should say that that would be rougher and he called that the male form (laughs) sure and you would use different forms of course um like everything that plenty found he had uses for it because if it existed in the earth there's a reason to put it in your body so um he he notes the eye healing properties he agrees with that he also refers to it as a platy ophthalmon Okay. Because it, for wide eyes, because it can dilate the eyes. So he's, he notes that like women like to use it to make their eyes look wide. 
But it's the same thing that beauty tips. Belladonna was used for this too, mm. to put in your eyes and dilate your pupils so that your eyes would look big. <laughs> Um, it also, he, uh, Pliny also noted that it was good for things like ulcerations of the eye. So we're getting a little bit more complex with eye illnesses. And then also, and when you're going to do, um, that you need to use it in its powdered form with some frankincense and some gum and mix it all together and then put it on your eye. Okay. Uh, you could also (laughs) use it as a powder to arrest discharges of blood from the brain Oh, what? Uh, nosebleeds? Nosebleeds? Maybe? Did you think that was just Ear pumping bleeds? out of the brain? I'm bleeds? not sure. Arrest discharges of blood from the brain, which, I mean, you got bigger problems than what? Do you mean like a subdural hematoma? Well, but they like, wouldn't even know that existed. where are you sprinkling it then? That's a good point. you're not going to see that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I'm impressed with your use of subdural hematoma, though. Well, thank you, Sydney. <laughs> Uh, I co-host a medical history podcast. He also thought it was good for dog bites, um, especially ones that are old. Old dog bites old that you keep looking bites. at and you're like, I gotta, I gotta, I do, gotta something do something about, about that. Oh, it's looking bad. Oh, I gotta get in there. And you could mix it with grease or maybe some wax and put it on a burn. I mean, good for yeah, that. that would probably work, right? Well, are you just like sealing over it with the grease and the wax and the antimony is just there for fun? Although, as we're going to talk about, it can be poisonous. So So not great. So not great. Um, Pliny also left very uh, like precise instructions, which he often did, on how to prepare it. Like because antimony, you needed to actually get like if you found like it in an alloy, you needed to actually remove like get the antimony out of it, Mm -hmm. remove the other substances. So you'll find lots of these different preparation instructions for for different elements not just antimony but for this one i really enjoy it so what you do you uh enclose it in a coat of cow dung okay your rock that has antimony in it and you're gonna burn it in a furnace (laughs) now that it's in this cow dung and then you're gonna douse it with some breast milk okay to cool it off sure and that, which you're not using my breast milk for that. No. Sorry, Plenty. Yeah, Plenty. Hey, Plenty, refrigeration hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> so, well, no, in that case, maybe they just had some extra burnt. Like, what are you going to do with it? Well. Can't keep it, can't keep it fresh. people aren't pumping. What do you mean they had extra? Like, nobody was pumping. I guess. But if the baby's napping and your friend Plenty next door needs your help, and you know you're, you're just going to stand over a fire with just and hand your... express breast milk well, into onto it. the cow dung for wrapped me- for antimony med- for medicine. Yeah. Then you're going to pound it in a mortar with some rainwater. Mm. Um, I at this point, the breast milk is just useless. Yeah. Just I say. <laughs> um, so then you're going to have a thick and turbid part and you pour that off into a copper vessel. Um, and then you're going to, uh, let's see. Oh, then there's going to be some stuff that falls to the bottom, which has lead in it. And you don't want that. So you get rid of that. Okay. And you're going to keep like s- siphoning off the top part of it into your copper vessel. And you're going to cover it with a linen cloth and you're going to leave it. And then again, you need to remove the top part because now the bottom part at the bottom is what you want. Okay. And somehow. It's hard to keep track of. Yeah. And somehow. And then you're going to pound that with a mortar and you're going to put it in tablets and you're going to 
take it for what ails you or sell it to people probably sell it after all that work i'm not yeah. just gonna swallow you can make it. some money off of it who's gonna feel like doing that if you need if you're afflicted with um whatever this was supposed to cure <laughs> well just whatever i mean like like plenty said you know it's good for um it's good for eye stuff it's good for burns good for dog bites you know it's interesting like all those different things you'd think you could just apply it topically but now you've made these tablets so i guess you may as well ingest it yeah yeah but it's poison right yeah yeah at this point it would be poison um, it depends on, I'll go ahead and say that. So it depends on how like it is, it depends on the compound. You know, a lot of ele- mm-hmm. elements can combine with different other elements yeah, yeah, yeah. to make compounds. Yep. And if it's, if it's combined the right way, it can be poisonous to you. Okay. Um, I feel like probably that- not like on first contact, like if you're taking a small amount, not enough to like kill you. It's not like arsenic. It's not like you're going to take it and die, but it, but that's a good comparison. It could have like similar but less toxic effects. I heard you describe that entire process. And I feel like if any process is going to turn anything into poison, it was what you just described. That sounded like <laughs> the, the most likely to become poison process possible. So the the way that this became really pop because I'm, I'm mentioning it as if like, so this was this really popular medical treatment. Not really. I mean, plenty talked about everything. Sure. Like if you look like that, this chapter that I just, that all this is from in natural history, the next few chapters are about like mercury and cinnabar and like all these other elements that he has remedies from that are similarly strange and labor intensive. And so, I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily standing out mm-hmm. as, the chief treatment yet mm-hmm. that really didn't happen until paracelsus now we have talked about paracelsus love paracelsus before do you remember his full name uh let me try to remember hold on philippus aurelius theophastus bombastus von Owenheim. Owenheim? Mm-hmm. Owenheim. that's right the last couple syllables I yeah remember. you cheated but he called himself Paracelsus, which either meant next to Celsus because he he's either Celsus. as good as Celsus, who is like a famous Greek dude, right? <laughs> there you go, like a famous Greek philosopher. Paracelsus either means as good as Celsus or better than Celsus, depending on the interpretation. And if you if you like if you listen to our episode about Paracelsus, it probably meant better than probably, probably meant better that's than what he meant. Dude anyway. was dude was. Uh, out there he was a little full of himself he lived in the early 1500s and and just to refresh so he kind of turned all of medicine on its ear by saying hey galen was wrong he didn't know what he was talking about that he he challenged the whole humoral system of medicine saying that you are not sick because your humors are out of balance you're sick because something from the outside some sort of invader has made you sick and to make you better we can't just bleed you or give you something to make you throw up or, you know, go to the bathroom or something like that to make you better. We have to put something in your body to heal you. And so he was like the first one to talk about chemical medicine. And this was a revolutionary idea, you know, and, and some of the chemicals that he wanted to put in your body made a lot of people raise an eyebrow because he was recommending treatments with things like antimony, but also lead and mercury and arsenic and Things like that. This was actually like a big war in medicine at this point between the Galenists and the Paracelsians mm-hmm. who, who, you know, the Galenists were like, hey, that's poison. Don't eat that. And he was like, yeah, but your yeah, bloodletting. Like, not so fast. <laughs> he was like, well, but your bloodletting isn't working so great either, is it? Guys, 
And I mean, the truth is none of it was working, right? No. Like none Let, of it was. Let's do both. But the, let's, the, listen, let's the, call idea, draw. the idea of medicine was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also, by the way, I found a quote from him. I don't think we dropped into our previous episode that I really enjoy. Okay. Is it related to the topic or did you just want to share it? It is related to the topic. So he's challenging the system of medicine. He was the first one to come up with this idea of take these chemicals. They'll make you better. And uh, he wrote, I am different. Let this not upset you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. And so he was the one who really started saying, hey, antimony's good. I know it could be a poison, but it also could make you better. Let's uh, let's give it a shot. The dose makes the poison, right? The dose makes the poison. Mm-hmm. Too true. So uh, did they give it a shot? Well, they did, Justin. Before we talk about that, let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real High quality chef crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some southwestern style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl. is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this truffle butter filet mignon? I mean, seriously, from 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 a a box. Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, 
you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, Sid, uh, we were about to start giving this stuff a whirl. Okay, so it's the 1500s. Whoa. There, there is this, as I've already mentioned, there's this battle waging as to whether or not people should be eating poison. <laughs> um, is it better than putting a leash on you? Uh, who knows? But uh, it, it is so controversial that, in fact, in, in France, for instance, uh, a lot of physicians were so concerned about people using these poisonous substances that antimony had actually been, like, banned by royal decree. Wow. Um, but Paracelsus and his writings and his influence convinced a lot of people to maybe we should be trying these things anyway, all these weird toxic substances that he recommends. So in 1666... Uh, Louis the Fourteenth rescinded the decree, declaring that you couldn't use it uh, because he was cured of an illness with a a compound that contained antimony. It made was him, he? It made him throw up a lot, and he got better. So there it is. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. In those days. So at that time, um, antimony started to become very popular. People got interested. Like, well, it made the king throw up and get better. I want to throw up and get better. I want to throw up and get better. <laughs> we know how popular anal fistulas can get Yeah, if the king does it. So if the king's, you know, puking, puking. up antimony. Yeah, thank you. Yes, please. Everybody wants to. I'll take two. Uh, you actually find um, from 1755, there was a uh, a speech that, or a writing that John Huxham, the English surgeon, um, gave uh, to the Royal Society and he gives directions for the preparation and the use of antimony and he talks about that like it's going to cause some sweating and some vomiting and, and catharsis but that all of that is is beneficial I if mean, you're what? sick. This is good. I mean this was a time for violent cures for violent illnesses. What doesn't cause those things? You know? What doesn't? Well medicine that works well, most of the time. Some, I mean, you know. Well that's not even true. Some medicine that works doesn't cause right. that. I can live with that. Uh, so basically he said, yes, these things can be poison, but if you use them in the right doses, they'll make you better. So give it a whirl. And then it became pretty popular, especially as a laxative and an emetic. So something to make you poop and something to make you puke. Both ends, blow uh, it out. It would just clean you out. And so for fevers of any variety, for any illness, whatever was going on, the idea was... I will purge it from my system with this sort of toxic compound, mm -hmm. right? So you would actually, they would make pills of antimony that you would take and let it go through you and clean you out all the way, probably in part because it was toxic to you. It was, it was right. sort of poisoning you, making you sick, uh, but it would completely clean you out and it would come out the other end whole because you can't digest it. Yeah. And then you would fish it out of the toilet or bucket or whatever right back on the shelf clean it off and save it for next time that not just for you honey well why would you buy more than one i it's fun to, <laughs> it's good though if you're in a big house you color code your antimony <laughs> so you know like that one's dad's that's the one he takes when he is uh very ill to make him poop and throw up at the same time that is also i don't <laughs> like I you what do you like about this? I don't like anything <laughs> about it. I I always get tickled though by medicine that's like, hey, you want to come see a movie this afternoon? Like, no, I don't. I actually just swallowed my antimony, so like, 
Victoria, clear my calendar. That's my day. This is my day today, <laughs> is just sitting and like waiting for this whirlwind that I've reaped to uh to to just level just my home pop out the other end yeah um so it's good you... value though it's like an everlasting <laughs> gobstopper <laughs> so you could take it again and again you everlasting share it. hold on i'll get it everlasting poop starter is that something uh, you're getting there i'll keep, find keep it. working on i'll it. find it uh so you could share it with your family and friends in fact these things could be passed down from generation to generation treasured family heirlooms <laughs> This is the pill that came out of your great great grandpa's butt. And now it's going to come out of your butt. Mom, please, no. Please, mom. I don't want it. Nope, nope. Nope. If it was good enough for great great aunt Susie, it's good enough for you. Nope. Open up. Um, also, it may have, antimony may have killed Mozart. Oh, no. Apparently, he was a hypochondriac. I didn't mm-hmm. know this. And so he, he often would, would be afraid that he was ill in some way and take treatments and. He used antimony a lot, maybe so much that it killed him. We don't know. Uh, so, because antimony was prized, uh, you would find other ways to to make things out of it. And antimony is actually, it's good like to crafts? know. Well, like goblets and jars and oh, okay. things. You could store things in it and then, I don't know, get some of that good, good element in your yeah whatever good for what else, yeah. um but it it actually is not like if you see something you'll find things that are supposedly made out of it it's usually an alloy because it's actually a fairly brittle metal so mm. you can't it's hard to make something out of it alone uh so in addition to doctors uh and there was another group that was a big fan of really any of these kinds of toxic substances and trying to do things with them and those were alchemists Antimony was very popular among alchemists, um, in particular, the German alchemist Johann Thold uh, told the story that, and he, I guess he was kind of a famous charlatan of sorts. Mm-hmm. So he said that at a local monastery, there was like a bolt of lightning that split open this pillar, this marble pillar, and okay. all, of these, all of these old texts that no one had found before came out, and, and he collected them, and this was the basis for all kinds of... Um, alchemical alchemical yeah yeah uh, advice and and theory um in particular there was one written by a monk basil valentine that had nice a, what <laughs> this is probably a made-up person okay this yeah. is all probably fake you gotta hey listen m- my fellow you gotta come up with more believable monk names <laughs> than that you can do better i think than basil valentine so so he had a lot of uh secret recipes in this book alchemy recipes and antimony was a main component of them um but that was also because probably because he was already like they already had strong beliefs in this so how convenient they found this ancient text that supported all of the things they were already saying believe it or not uh he was part of the uh rosicrucians the society of the rosicrucians it's like an ancient society that got into alchemy 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 and all kinds of various magical things in addition to actual like academic study i don't know anyway so he used this to promote his his beliefs and a lot of this was probably fraudulent um but it influenced a lot of scientists moving forward who dabbled in alchemy including sir isaac newton 
mm-hmm. who bought into this so much, he actually devoted, in his career, Newton devoted more time to studying antimony than he did to studying gravity. Wow. And he created gravity, so that should well, tell you something. He didn't, cre- he didn't create it, but... Uh, th- if you if you care about this kind of thing, I think this is kind of interesting. As a side note, the alchemical symbol for antimony is, if you look at it, it's like the upside down um, symbol for female, you know, the circle with the plus. Yeah. It's that flipped around um, because I guess in alchemy, various elements, they kind of will ascribe like human characteristics and personalities to them. And it's thought to be a very feminine element for whatever reason <laughs> so it's very girly i don't know <laughs> in case you in case you i saw it and i was like hey that looks sort of like the female symbol and then i read about it i was like ah that's intentional so uh the other medical use that arrived for antimony which was this is actually only dates back to i think 1910 is the first time people started doing this and then in the 1930s it became an official treatment is for different parasitic infections so they found that uh, antimonials um, drugs derived from antimony uh, could be helpful in the treatment of two things at first leishmaniasis and schistosomiasis now we use other medicines for schisto now but leishmaniasis we actually one of the treatments that is still in use today is an antimonial compound wow. well, a couple of them uh, sodium stiboglucanate now, what is that leishmaniasis it's a parasitic infection okay got it and uh, and megalamine antimoniate, but they're they're two different um, antimony based medicines that are still used in combination with other things because they're actually finding some resistance to these things. Um, the first one, pentostam, is important to know. It's also there's lots of side effects to these medicines. That one is very toxic to the veins. It's hard you inject it, and it, and it can really destroy the veins that you injected into. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has all kinds of side effects like, like pancreatitis and nausea and vomiting, diarrhea, joint pains, dizziness. I mean, they're very toxic compounds, but they are, they are still used as medications for this very serious infection that people can get that is very hard to treat. Mm -hmm. And so you often have to use a combination of a lot of medications that some of them obviously have very unpleasant side effects. Mm -hmm. Um, We do have, like I said, other drugs for schisto now. We don't use that. But for leishmaniasis, you'll find it still listed. Hmm. Um, other than that, antimony is mainly used. Like 70%, I think, of its use today is as a flame retardant. Okay. <laughs> Not a medical application necessarily. No, it's got some other industrial kind of applications as an alloy and like bearings and batteries and things like that. Um not not a huge part of the pharmacopoeia as it were today <laughs> um you will find it listed i i found there was this great site where they just list all the different elements from the periodic table and like they have pictures of different uses of the element ways that it can appear and then things uh like i found some of the goblets and jars and things that were supposedly made out of antimony and more in part made out of antimony um at the on the site and the, they also mention like here's some things that are supposedly medicinal that will include antimony in its medicinal properties mm-hmm. for instance himalayan salt lamps if you look at all of the things that they supposedly contain mm-hmm. antimony is usually listed um himalayan salt in general like there was one specifically that listed 84 different quote unquote natural organic elements that they 
that they were comprised of and among uh-huh. them was antimony. I, I will mention that in this particular Himalayan pink salt product, they also named plutonium and neptunium. Okay. Which not only do you not, I mean, you don't need those in case, do I need to say that? You don't need that in your body. Nope, got it. They're also not naturally occurring. So. Except for like nuclear fallout. Right. I guess if, is that? I guess. Is that natural? Technically. I don't think that's what they mean. Um, and there was also, I found an immune boosting supplement that supposedly contains, I don't know, like 77 different elements that you need. And one of them is antimonium. Yeah, that's antimonium. one of them. They also include thallium, which is poisonous, and tellurium, which will make you smell like rotten onions. <laughs> Um, but the good news is that there's such a small amount of all these things in these pills that it, they just do nothing, probably. I feel like you kind of filled on a rabbit hole at the end of researching this episode, Sydney. Is that fair to say? I just Maybe. found these weird things that I was just like... <laughs> I think somebody... I think some of these fake medicines that people make, they just like Google like what has ever been used as medicine. And then they make a list of those things and stick them in pills and oh, go, yeah. this has ancient roots. Imagine. Paracelsus was a fan. Paracelsus used this great poopy pill. (laughs) Paracelsus was a big fan, and he said, I am different. Let this not upset you. Um, Yeah, that t-shirt coming soon. Um, Okay, well, folks, that is going to do it for us. I don't think my child will tolerate me holding her anymore. She uh, is not cooperating. She's this not episode. cooperating she's, this episode. She's Talk- supposed to be our third silent host, and she has much to say she's today. A lot to, well, she's supposed to be our sl- a sleep host, and then she decided halfway through that she was not going to do that anymore. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Uh, thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she's not thanking anybody. No, she's all no, no way. She's ungrateful. Uh, thanks to the Maxwell <laughs> Network for having us as far as their uh, extended podcasting family, and thanks to you for listening. Uh, <laughs> that is going to do it for us this week. But until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. Oh wait, wait, wait! One last thing. It's really cool. I promise. Okay. The name antimony may actually mean monk killer. Uh, maybe. Okay. Can I play the music now? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. All right. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Now, I know as a Max Fun listener, you love enamel pins, but guess who were the first people to wear enamel pins? Everyone in Starfleet. We talk about them every week on our show, The Greatest Generation. It's originally about Star Trek The Next Generation, now we're covering Deep Space Nine. The main thing we're trying to encourage you to do is listen to the show. Listen to the show and know that you are expanding the community of enamel pin-wearing enthusiasts. You can only resist Big Pin for so long, so <laughs> give yourself over to Big Pin and The Greatest Generation by subscribing and downloading right now. The Greatest Generation at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome.